black man, black man, I'm black. I'm the black man, black man, I'm black. I'm the black man, black man, I'm black. I'm the black man, black man, black man, black black man, Yo, 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 welcome back to another episode of Black Men Do Talk, where we have overdue conversations from a black man's perspective. It's your boy, Caleb Edward Lee Berry. It's your boy, Street Hymns. And it is also me, Trey McCall. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. It's also me. Yes. It's also Father's Day. Yeah, shout out to Father's Day. You feel me? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, 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 and as y'all can see, we about to be switching these mics all the way back and forth. So y'all going to have to get used to this for this episode. Um, real quickly, one good thing you can talk, uh, say about your father, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, I am my father. I was three years old when I communicated my first song, put my dad up out of his sleep. And since then, he's affirmed me in my walk, career, and purpose. Of music, yeah, you know, so um, he had me on stages at the age five, you know, performing. He was cultivating me, um, he supported me. So, my dad is somebody who, as other Christian hip hoppers in the game and other musicians, other artists would see whenever I came to do a show, they always saw one person as my father. And so, it's, it's funny, I didn't realize how much of a uh. Anomaly that was until after the fact because, you know, by the time I kind of, you know, came into being my own artist and um, he was no longer the dadager, I remember like my pastor, um, my, uh, I remember Belief mm-hmm. as well. He was like, he's like, man, that was the most beautiful thing I ever seen, man. When, when you had a show and your dad was with you, he was like hanging out with us. You know, he spoke so highly of you every time you're on stage, it's just out of this glow in his eyes, like, yo, my son's up there killing it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, man, he's a uh, the most. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm not ashamed to say he's my biggest fan. Yeah, you know, and uh, he was my biggest hero growing up. So that's yeah. what's up. Shout to pops, that's number one good. supporter. I love how you said in the beginning. You was like, I am. You said I am um, my father. You know what I'm saying? So same yeah. in a sense for me too. Like I know, creativity wise, I get that from my dad. Like my dad is like super creative, always coming up with different like little inventions and whatnot. Um, dance wise. Oh, man. I remember seeing my pops dance for the first time. I was in middle school, and I just, like, got ecstatic. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, seeing him move the way he did, he still got it. He'd be like, oh, the Lord. He said, that, 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 that done left me. I said, that's a lie. <laughs> that man be moving, and it's so smooth when he danced. And so, creativity-wise, dance-wise, uh, just in movement in general, because he would always watch, like, martial arts and different things like that, and I'm just like, I mimicked all that growing up. You know what I'm saying? That's one of the things I love. I love movement. I love martial arts um, as well. And uh, and he was a pastor at one point as well. And he was a preacher. Like, he was teaching everywhere. And so I'm just like, yeah, like, I'm him. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm a mini version of him. And so, like, and also just his faithfulness just with the word, man. That's one thing I can say about my pops. Like, regardless of where he was going, he was talking to somebody about Jesus and I love that um, from a kid to now. Like, I ain't never been nowhere and he said something about Jesus to somebody. You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, yeah, man. Shouts out to Rabbit. <laughs> love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, like y'all, my father has been um, a big part of my life since I was little. Um, I think one positive thing I can say about my dad is 
he has he's always been honest about who he is. Like he's never been somebody that like tried to put on or like be something that he wasn't. And um even in his mistakes, um there were there were times in, in his life where like he did certain things and he was unapologetic about it. And then like as we grew older, he would do those things and then he would come back and say, you know what? That's not cool. I'm sorry. I apologize. Indeed. So I, I I appreciate that level of transparency and that level of honesty because I think that showed me like I don't have when I when I get to that 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 role that position of being a husband of being a father that showed me I don't have to be perfect. Um, I don't have to always get it right. Um, it's more about effort and my in the heart and the transparency of it, um, and that shows. Um, way stronger than a dad who says, I always got it right. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I'm, I'm, grateful. I'm grateful for that, man. That's good. Who put up the, the pictures of our dads on, on the IG? I was wondering about that. I, that was, that was you? Hey, that was clutch, bro. Hey, that was clutch. That I ain't gonna clutch. lie. I, when I saw the song Bring Him Out, I don't know why I laughed. I don't, I don't know why I laughed, but I thought that was hilarious. But, yeah, that shout out to good. you, bro. Good, shout bro. out to you, man. That was good. Shout out to you. I had to do some scrolling for Caleb. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> hey man, it's been a while. Hey, that's crazy. But yeah, was your pastor pastor? <clears throat> pastor adjacent. He preaches a lot. He preaches a lot. He's on staff at a few different churches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can dig it, bro. Grant. Oh no, no, no. Go ahead. I was gonna ask how y'all weeks was, but where you going? Uh, I was, yeah, my week was cool, man. We in the middle of the camp. Uh, no. Nah. We're not going to skip you. Your week matters. I think the, the dad thing has been up. It's okay. Yeah. That, no. It's quick. Your week is important. Uh, <laughs> That's what she said. Why did... Uh, okay, so she's affirming. That's good. That's what he said. What did I say? What did you say? It's quick. Ah. Oh. That's what she said. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, week was good. We're in the middle of camp. Um, shout out to Caleb teaching the kids dance. Um, but yeah, little niggas are challenging but rewarding, man. Yeah, um, I've yeah, yeah. I've learned that at, the more I'm in ministry, the more I learn. You have to be realistic about your goalpost. Um, you're not going to create disciples in two months, mm-hmm. four weeks, um, and so that's been really encouraging because now I don't scoff at like the little progressions that they make being able to recite a theme verse after one week of camp being able to name the jesus 12 disciples these are wins okay these are kids who are completely unchurched don't go so yeah it's been a blessing it's been really encouraging um yeah good i was about to say same with me it was a it was a pretty good week um especially again just being with those kids it's always a joy um, being with them just to get to hear their hearts and their minds and the way they think. Um, I think another thing that I really started to hit on uh, was just the fact of like, man, how do you allow kids to think as you mold and shape them? Like think freely as you mold and shape them instead of like, oh, let me make you like me or whatever the case may be. But that was really just like something that just screamed throughout the whole the week. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, man, like this was it, it was just a blessing for me. Um, and then also just seeing them get the dance moves like, bro, just making a bunch of breakers out here, bro. Like that's <laughs> sweet. That was like we go do the, the kickouts today, the top rock. I was like, y'all remember? I was like, let's go. And so, yeah, so that was that was a joy, man. I love I love teaching and I love when they get it. You know what I'm saying? And they're going after it. So, yeah, it's pretty good. Indeed, indeed. Uh, I would say this week. Just learning and trusting God more, man. Like it's it's one of those things where I've I've I never doubted, I never lacked in faith, but God just finds ways to show out, you know. Um one of the biggest ones was like this location. Yeah. You know. Um if you go back to our old location right now <laughs> it, it has a it has a no trespassing sign up now. Because a certain group of people that will show up there every Sunday night, you know, uh, they don't know who the people were. They they've, they've had meetings about us. No, they don't. They don't know who it was. Um, but uh, they've had meetings. They have pictures. But it's like uh, one of those backhead pictures. Like you can't really tell who it is. It's like, oh man, he has a nice design on the side of his head. And to be clear, we're admitting beard. we're admitting That's all nothing. I said. Um, but aside from that, you know, like literally, I, m- I remember just calling. The owner of this building, um, this is the Black Love. Shout out to Black Love. Uh, Black Lit. Yeah. Shout out to Black Love, too. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to both of them. Yeah. Shout out to Black Lit. Both of them. Um, and it was about something very unrelated. And I was, we, we talked. And then afterwards, we got off the phone. He's like, wait, wait, wait. When are you coming to record again the, for the podcast? My, just like on Friday. And I was like, I come record whatever you want us to. You know what I'm saying? And she was like, "Hey, you could come there any Sunday." And I'm like, "Seriously?" I was like, so really? "I can be there this Sunday." She's like, we'll, "We'll give you the keys." And I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" Yeah. Like in the midst of us looking for a new location, and the funny is, I didn't even look for the location. Like it was Elisha making calls. I think Caleb was asking around. I was like, "Man, we gonna find something out. We gonna figure something. Out. I don't care if it's in my on my couch in my house, right?" And here we have a nice location, man. So praise God for that. Um, yeah, just trusting God more, man. It's even funny because when you called and said, hey, we got a location, I'm not going to lie. I had made a couple calls, sent out like one text message earlier that morning, and I forgot about it. <laughs> when you said it, I was like, oh, okay, cool. I just feel like everybody, we all felt like we knew we was going to get something. Yeah, not because of us, but like you said, because like we just—I didn't never doubt it, bro. We moving on faith with this we, thing, we go, bro. we go figure it out. And it's it's so it's, bro. We did a whole episode last week with the power out. Yeah, the storm hit us, and it's doing numbers. We recorded on our phones for the microphones. We recorded on my phone yeah. for the video, and it's got more views than every other video we've done in the past month. I was about to say, and shout out to the live audience because they were some of the ones that pulled out their phones and let us record. You know what I'm saying? Like they the made audio that podcast. On there. Heck yeah. The live audience made that podcast. So I, I, I can't wait to try some new ways to like get yeah. that feel again, bro. Yeah. I was like, yo, like it was kind of chaotic, but I feel no, like for sure. With the honoring of the pillow, you know, it could be a little bit more, uh, a <laughs> little bit more, <laughs> a little bit more structure, man. Ooh, nah. You look, I like it, but I'm like, eh. Maybe when we all get rings on our finger. No, I want an AO. Oh, yeah. There it is. I don't know the button. And real quickly, too, I do want to say this slow. Again, shouts out to Black Lit. Um, uh, the owner is Nia. What's your last name? Nia, uh, you just call Nia Taylor. 
Nia Taylor. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the things they have is these uh, black lit boxes, and it's a subscription that y'all can get. So each month you'll be able to get like a new black owned book uh, from a black author. Well, obviously from a black author. Um, you'll get a shirt, you'll get some encouragements, and a lot of different things that come in these boxes. So if y'all want to su uh, subscribe to this, we'll make sure we have that website on this um, on this video for y'all to come to come grab up. But yeah, it got some good stuff in there. Now, so. even though it may not ought to be a black-owned book, one thing that's not really highlighted a lot is black-owned publishing. Yeah. So even mm -hmm. though it's not, I, you can actually have a book, but supporting black-owned Publishers yeah. that publish the book is also great too. So even nice. if you're on, yeah, indeed. You know, indeed. Uh, you know the price may be a little bit higher, but I feel like it's worth it because the it's value, keeping yeah, it in what comes with it, yeah, yeah. You know. for sure, for sure. So uh, uh, Juneteenth tomorrow, yeah, we drinking Uncle Nearest. Hey, we sipping at Uncle Nearest. That thing is fire. And uh, what? Oh yeah, Fat Bottom Betty's. Oh, cigars! Is there a black-owned cigar? I know. I got. I know a cigar with a black person on it. <laughs> with a black person on it? Hey, that's close. It's not black-owned. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> the Django. That's that's the upsetters. That's oh, it. Yeah, that's it. Got the black person on it. That's what I'm talking about. Ish. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, kind of counts, right? <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna be off to Uncle Nears, the Django's, and the Spades tomorrow. Bro, yes. <laughs> Bro, I, I honestly felt bad, man, because I'm like, man, I went to church. I've been posting all week. I've been present, and nobody invited me to nothing. I was like, dad, yo. And then I realized, stuff don't happen unless I start it. I was like, man, I got to be the one to start something and then invite people. Interesting. So now I want to be starting something, right? <laughs> you know. Interesting. All right. So we want to do this space like that. Yeah, I'm, bro, you tell me. I'm open. See what I mean? I just gave you the idea. <laughs> See what I mean? Bro, you got a biggest face. I'm about to say, you, you, I could host it. You know. You could. I you came know. up with the idea. If y'all want me to, right? I'll send the invites. I'll start something up. You know, start some spades, pour the drinks. I would say yeah. have it at the office, but the last time we had a group gathering at no, the office. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know. Indeed. Almost. We had worship music playing. Yeah, and time. we left some things behind. We didn't. We yeah, left some things. It wasn't we, but whoa, whoa. hey, yeah, it wasn't not we. that. Go ahead and intro was. <laughs> I was like, that's what I was questioning. I wasn't there, nigga. Hey, yeah. Who told you we left weed in the this nonprofit? She Bro, said we. I thought he said weed. Oh. Get your boy. I don't even, we don't even have a button for you yet. We got a button. <laughs> what are you talking about? Ah, indeed. What indeed, are you talking indeed. about? Good stuff, good stuff. How about that? Okay, I guess I was asking for it. Indeed. Go ahead, what are we indeed. talking about today? All right, man, so in case y'all are not fans of the NBA, um, John Morant, who is a very well-known NBA player, very, very, very talented young man, um, one of the best uh, players in the league the last two to three years, rising star, face of the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, the last, let's say the last year or so, he's had some very, very challenging things going on around guns. Um, there has been reports of him threatening teenagers uh, with guns. There's been reports of him uh, 
being in the car when a laser is being shot from a gun into another team's bus. Um, and more, uh, I guess famously, he's had two incidents incident sorry um that's landed him in trouble with the league one um early this year back around march or something where he was seen on instagram live in the strip club waving a raving a gun around um they gave him some repercussions he took some time away from the team came back um and then sometime after that sometime in early may um he had another incident where he was riding around um in a car uh with one of his friends and he was waving a gun around again and so now the league, um, after some deliberation and investigation, has handed down some punishment. Um, they have suspended him for 25 games to start off the season next uh, in the fall. And they are saying, hey, if you meet these stipulations, it will only be 25 games. But it sounds like there's a possibility for it to be more, which this has drummed up a lot of conversation. Um, is it right for the league to be concerned about what their stars do um, off company time. Technically, he's at the club. You know, he's not with the team. Technically, he's right around with his friends. He's not with the team. Can the league – should the league be policing that thing, those things? Um, people are saying, hey. Is that what we're talking about today? We're, I'm just giving what the conversation has been so we can frame it. Um, anyways, um, there's also some people who say he didn't break any laws. Why is this even an issue, right? There are some people who think he needs to be held accountable. He has a – he has a platform. He's a role model. So all these things really come down to it. And what we're going to discuss today is what does it look like for people uh, to be held accountable um, who hold these certain positions, right? Because it could be said that, hey, it shouldn't be any of the league's business, business what he does. But the fact is people look up to him. So, yeah, let's just start off like that. What are you guys' thoughts with the league handing him this suspension? Do you think it's unfair do you think he should be reprimanded at all for the situation? I would say that not to say he shouldn't be uh, reproved, not to say that there shouldn't be any consequence, but I do believe in certain circumstances the let's make an example out of him, narrative does come in play. Because within all the things you said, I think all of those points are correct. Um, can the league reprimand someone for something they did outside of the league? And the answer is yes, they're a private business. Um, we're talking about communities of people that if someone says the N-word, while yelling at someone because they're angry, let's find out where they work. And then next thing you know, people are swarming their offices and sending all these things to their bosses and CEOs and corporate. And then next thing you know, that person's fired and, and the people rejoice because somebody has now fallen to the mob, right? And that's a private business that made a decision. So this is a private business that made a decision. So whatever decision they make, they're never wrong. It doesn't matter what the, you know what I'm saying, the, the consequence is. The consequence is the consequence because the private business decided. I think that could we see that the conversation could be a race conversation? I would say yes, absolutely. Um, because on the other side of the conversation, were any laws broken? No. You know what I'm saying? Like he did so, I believe, in all places in an open carry state. 
Memphis itself is an open carry state. You know, um, now whether or not he's flashing it and pointing it, if that happened, yeah, you're off. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the, uh, I don't know if the investigation uh, pulled through and there was actually any prosecution, but if he was pointing his gun at somebody, yeah, absolutely. Like that's that's showed you irresponsible. Um, the only thing that I think Nike addressed was the fact that um, there's no ability to open carry or even hold a firearm while intoxicated, but they also didn't know if he was intoxicated. So, yeah, I, th I think it's a few things at play, but I do believe that they wanted to make him an example. And by making him an example, they thought that by suspending him, it would make a point. But in the same way, this is someone who also sold out of a shoe within minutes by Nike. And Nike did not remove him. Yet Kyrie makes a tweet, reposts a tweet, doesn't say anything, doesn't give any comments, and then he loses his own endorsement deal. So it goes to show you that it's not about what corporate says all the time. It's about what the people are saying. If people are angry, the brands will follow what the people are saying. The people want Black Lives Matter, let's paint the streets with Black Lives Matter. That's what Nike said, that's what the NBA said. You think they really support Black Lives Matter like that? No. But it was everywhere. It was on the t-shirts, it was on the floors, it was everywhere. And the people said that Kyrie was anti-Semitic. Okay, well, you can't be anti-Semitic and be involved in any type of media. So get him out of there. So now he's no longer in there because the people were saying that. And the people were also saying, yeah, John Moran did that, but he's still that nigga. So okay. what they do? They've sold his shoes and they sold out of his shoes. So it's funny how one company will use something against you to make you an example, while, while you're being made an example, another company will capitalize on that. So I think it's all about the money, bro. So I, I see money and race at play in this narrative. That was long, but yeah. No, no, I hear that. I think the only thing that I think about as I've watched him, because he is making what, 200, 200 mil? So brother making 200 mil. Um, Oh, who is that? Which one is? And yes, Lord. Cold. Ugh. It'll be a little different. I appreciate it. <laughs> you said what? I can't, I can't do Dutch, bro. I can't do them, bro. I drink hot water and hot drinks. This thing tastes like it's water. It's for me. It tastes like water. That's why I didn't get it. Yeah. I feel like she knew I me. I tried it again. I try to show, I try like, to show like, look you, grace. You know I drink hot water, right? Never again. <laughs> be, be. Indeed. You know I drink hot water, right? They can't, they can't mess up lemonade. Okay. True story. Yeah. <laughs> I thought we were closer than we were. All right. I love you. Thank you so much, y'all, for there bringing us. There could be a level of these drinks for the for the listeners here. We got drinks here, and we from Dutch Bros. And I'm I'm thoroughly I'm eternally grateful. I can't wait to drink my chai. I'm grateful too for y'all's hard work. Shout out to B. Yeah. Oh, that, that, yeah. The lemonade but, you great. know, I I don't <laughs> usually get my drinks. It look good with water. It look you know good. What I'm saying or ice added to it, which will become water. <laughs> Take my time. So. Cause you get less. No, no, no. Hold on, y'all, y'all, y'all working on this. Uh, this always happens to me. 
So why do you not go with what you wanted? Indeed. Let's get back to this uh, podcast. I'm Let's get back. Oh, that makes sense. Indeed. That makes sense. Okay. I, I, I get it now. Indeed. Appreciate the context. Um, I see what you mean by sugar. Mine tastes, mine tastes like water. That's why I don't do Dutch Bros. This actually isn't that sugary, but... Yeah. I don't know. So, just going back to the whole John Morant. Uh, Morant uh, John Morant. John Morant. John Morant, brother. No, so my thing is, <laughs> what just happened? I'm going to take this time to turn on this. This going crazy. Uh, it ain't black hole. Nah. <laughs> it ain't black hole. Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> and they're bros, not bros. Uh, uh-uh. Okay. Nah, so here's, I think my biggest thing that I'm just like, yo, like, and I agree with what you were saying, um, just with like people, they're going based off of what the people are saying, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I'll just say like, you represent an organization, um, and I think when you represent an organization, um, and if I'm not mistaken, that a lot of their contracts have these uh, moral clauses up in there too, it's like if you do anything, even though it wasn't criminal acts, you know what I'm saying? Um, it, that, that actually happened. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's like you represent us and what you do can affect um, our brand um, in a good way or in a bad way. And if they feel as though it's like, yo, I don't think this was actually good for what we were for what we are doing, then we're going to go ahead and, you know what I'm saying? Just lay down some consequences, you know. And so was 25 games uh, appropriate. I don't know. I'm not in that. I ain't in that league or whatnot. But I think if, again, it's like we've already talked to you about this once and then you go and do it again. You know what I'm saying? Which which is my biggest issue, bro. Like you you did this to yourself. You got on live. You press record. And you put the gun up in a club. And I don't think you have to know is like most clubs in general, 99 percent. Don't allow guns to be up in there anyways. You know Unless. what I'm saying? Unless what? Unless you popping. No, f- for sure. But yeah, there's, the signs, there's people that don't get checked at the door for certain reasons. No, 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 no. I, I, I hear that. But legally, like you don't bring. It's a private business. You don't bring weapons. Clubs are, like I said, but it's a private no, business. No, and private businesses even have the signs I talk about like, hey, no guns allowed. Or, hey, if you don't have a license, they and have all those things. they make an accommodation, bro, you think, you think. Yellow Beezy's gonna go to any club and then somebody around him not gonna be strapped. You feel me? And yeah, do you yeah. also think that the club owners don't know that? For sure. I'm just saying. They the, can't play ignorance. It's like, oh, we didn't know he had a gun. For sure. No, 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 no. I'm not even tripping just on the owners. I'm just talking about you as a grown adult walking to a space that you know you're not supposed to be bringing these things in. And that's what he did. You know For what sure. I'm saying? And so, and then the fact that it's like he put it up in the camera, and I was just like, what are you doing? I don't know his life, but I'm just like, I've heard some interviews just like his growing up or whatnot. I'm just like, yeah, you ain't a thug, bro. And yet, you got guns popping up everywhere. You got thug dreams. You say you got thug. <laughs> you, got you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, be a shooter on the court, and that's about it, because it, it ain't going to work with you outside of that. You say he can't shoot on the court? He can just, he can just dunk. No, he's not even a shooter on court. He can just dunk. He's athletic. Hey, yo, my man got a mid-range-ish. He got, he got a mid-range-ish. 
Yeah. Ish. <laughs> Ish. Wow, y'all ain't coming. I just think about Duncan. That's he all I see is on Instagram. In the NBA. He is. The NBA. For how long? <laughs> He's in the NBA. NBA. Look. Okay, so he's one of the best of the best of the best, sir. So obviously, you know what I'm saying, he, he can shoot something. Go ahead. Shannon Sharp said something on the lines of like, he messing with the wrong NBA. He talking about some NBA young boy. He trying to be like him. I said, bro. I was, what kind of uncle joke was that? First of all, NBA young boys are real killers. Okay, so were you uh, a... <laughs> he, he really is. I believe that. I, I, think, I think the tough part for me is the way that I'm hearing people, quote unquote, hold him accountable is from a distance and... It's almost like people like Uncle Shannon, you know, are time chiming in, giving their two cents. And I, 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 res- I respect it, you know what I'm saying, the fact that people have opinion on things and want to speak on things. But I'm also realizing that, you know, end of the day, he's 22, 23. 23. Now, I'm not saying, like, his age is an excuse. He's, he's, he's a man. Young cat. You know. Yeah. Um, not, and for me, it's one of those things where, even with the guidance that I've taught the youth that I'm building up, the youth that I'm training up. They still make their own choice. They're going to make their own decisions. And I do not appreciate how people then immediately associated his character, his flaws, his mistakes with the leaders or the men around him. Yeah. Yeah. And quote unquote, the lack thereof. Yeah. It's like, well, where is his father? Where's his uncle that's going to tell him? It's like, how do you know that's not the case? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Indeed. Oh, his pops, his pops was with him? Uh, yeah, I, I was about to say. I was about to say well. It's very clear where his Where was he at? He was well. He was. That's the, <laughs> so if that's the case. But, hey, so. I get it. In his case. No, no, in, in his wait, wait, case, your, what, your what, point what, still stands. Yeah, what, no, no. That's, your point still stands. What I'm trying to say still. Even though his daddy was with him. But your point still stands, though. Keep going, because that's, that's actually really yeah. good for just a general conversation yeah, yeah. of we're talking accountability. About, we're though. talking about the lack there. Because like, when he pulls them aside, what conversations is he having with them? Mm-hmm. You know, and we don't know that. Yeah. You know, for all we know, the conversations could be, yo, son, you got to be more careful. You know what I'm saying? Because the cameras are on you. Mm-hmm. Right? In the same way, like, people were coming at um, uh, 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 Dante Bo. When he had his fallout, right? He had his, his, his uh, you know what I'm saying, his, his mistakes he made yeah. pub- publicly, whatever, online and stuff like that. Or what, on people that maybe his side would have even call a mistake. The mm-hmm. mistake was you just made it public. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, how somebody apologizes can tell you their perspective of what they did. Yeah. If it's, a, if it's an apology of like, yo, man, I just, I, I talked to the OGs, they, they just told me I got to be more careful. Yeah. It's basically, that means, hey, bro, you can't be sure of everything. You got to do some things. In the dark. You yeah. got to do some things. Chill. You can't yeah. be so open about what you do. If that's the advice you're getting, then that's just, oh, man, you're right. You're right. Because I didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Why? Like, for me, like I said, I, I grew up when a homie's passed, you know what I'm saying, or died. I'm pouring liquor out with everybody else. Mm-hmm. Why? Because that's just what we did. Yeah. That's how we did things. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize I was being lawless. I was transgressing the law because we're not supposed to make a drink offering to the dead. So mm-hmm. I stopped doing it. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until I actually come to realize something from somebody else that told me. And I'm like, oh, snap. That's in the Bible. Yeah. I shouldn't do this. Right? And so 
if we see that the person who actually trained him up is also the person that culturally he may not be a goon from the whatever, 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 but y'all take a trip down to Arlington, two story houses, and these kids will pull your muffin pet cat back blue. <laughs> it don't matter what type of housing you're from. Yeah. Don't use that to discredit somebody's gangster. Trust me. Take hey? <laughs> oh, oh my gosh! What are, you, what are we talking about? Oh my gosh! Playing outside, yeah. Playing my, tag in the streets. My guy did the race. My nigga was indeed. Tag in the street. Indeed, indeed. Okay. <laughs> warning, 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 oh, no, warning. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> that was good. That was that was that was. That was nah, that he was really was. Nah, yeah, yeah. Man, uh, man, I yeah, I think I think the situation is like. Very nuanced because I think everything you said is correct. I think there's money at play, obviously. Um, because I try to keep situations, uh, uh, try to keep them as exclusive as possible. I didn't even consider the whole job, I mean, the whole Kyrie thing. But I mean, even when you look at the league, like the Nets owners went crazy on Kyrie, but the actual league didn't step in yeah. and do anything. Um, <clears throat> But even with Nike, when they pulled their they pulled their thing from from Kyrie, it was quick. I mean, it, it, it was like it, it was unflinching. They were like, "We're not doing it," and I'm just like, "That's interesting." I, I'm, that's interesting because if we're gonna keep that same energy, this is a tweet. This isn't like a manifesto. No, no, no. <laughs> it was a repost. Re- my bad. Repost. Yeah. A tweet, yeah, but yeah, he didn't say anything. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He didn't yeah. say anything, and like, oh no, we're taking your like, this is and, and, and hear me, and this is not like again, I don't want to get in too deep into comparison, but this is Kyrie Irving, right? This is a man who who donated thousands, if not millions, of dollars during COVID. You know what I'm saying? This is a man who is you don't have to look very far to find his uh, his uh, presence in the community. And, and, and for them to react that way. And then for us to see, oh, John Morant, who is, if we just want to take this perspective, someone who is being very ignorant in how he's choosing to partake in gun culture at a time where gun, mass shootings are crazy, right? This is a guy who is a role model to kids, and we've got schools getting shot up, and he's waving guns around like, like all willy-nilly, and Nike's just like, We'll take his face off the advertising, for real, really. Okay, I, so I I I hundred percent I hundred percent agree. Money's at play, race is at play, but I think my where I where I land on the conversation is, I get it. He is twenty three, and it's not fair. It's not fair. But his position, his stature, his platform, he's going to have to conduct himself. At a greater level than most twenty-three-year-olds, mm-hmm. and that's just point-blank. Period. You can't have the millions of dollars, the endorsement deals, the fame, and try to abdicate or release yourself of that responsibility. Yeah. And and I I feel huh. for him because you're right. It does it doesn't seem like he has people around him that's trying to correct him and steer him and maybe give him some deeper context. Because even if you consider the city of the organization he represents. Memphis is well known for a lot of things, and one of those things is it being a very violent city. And so, for even for me, when I consider that perspective, that to me is a little tone deaf. And so, I get it. He 
he's young, he's learning his lessons, and it doesn't. And it, unfortunately, it seems like it's going to cost him, or it is, it is costing him at this point uh, um, to learn these lessons. Um, and that's unfortunate. But the reality of the situation is, you are a star, you are a superstar, you are a role model, and so you don't get the opportunity to have your name on a shoe, but say, oh, kids shouldn't look up to me. Mm-hmm. You don't get that opportunity yeah. because that's where you are. Yeah. That is your God-given platform, whether you recognize that or not. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to hold, people are going to hold you to a higher standard. You're right. If it, was a, if, it was, if it was me waving a gun around on IG Live, I'd probably get Maybe some calls not. from one of these two niggas or, somebody, or a plethora of other people. I probably wouldn't be facing a, a, you know, the loss of thousands of dollars from my job. Or would it? Yeah. But that's not the platform I have. Mm-hmm. So he's being held accountable according to the platform he has. And that's just what it is. Now, I was, uh, I was, uh, I was talking to PJ um, a while back just about some, like, sin issue stuff that I was dealing with. And he was just like, man, like, he said, Caleb, for instance, uh, analogy-wise, he said, if you were to fall off, um, again, sin issues, but if you were to fall off a balcony, the first story balcony right now, he said, you, you create some type of impact. You know what I'm saying? He said, and it'll affect a few people that's around that area. He said, but once you get to the 13th floor, you get to a higher space, a higher floor. Once you fall from that, he said, the impact gets a lot more wider. Bang, you know what I'm saying? Bang, and when he bang, told me that, I was bang, just like, man, bang, like, bang. that's something to, like, keep in mind as you continue to move forward in certain spaces and certain platforms. Because, like, yeah, sin is sin and Sin is sin, and you're gonna, uh, and it's always gonna have a, a impact on the people that's around you. But again, once you get to a certain place, like it can affect tens of thousands. You know what I'm saying? And it's crazy because it's like even with John Morant, it's like yo, like you got little kids overseas watching you. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, like it, we we don't have little kids overseas necessarily watching us right now. But because of where his platform is, it has spread to so many different places, and you do got to be mindful of like what you do. You know so. I was going to say, I, th- I think it's fair to hold people accountable for their actions, but I don't like when we judge people because of their perspective. Like, for example, with the tweet that, um, I'm to turn it down. Get that. Yeah. For example, like the tweet that Kyrie Irving got reprimanded for. Essentially, what that's saying is if any person in the NBA right now was to tweet homosexuality is an abomination, they would be, what, what would happen to that person? They're gone. But what if I retweet the Bible? That's what that's saying. Because I'm retweeting something, and if you want to go into the depths of what this thing is saying, what this thing has, what this thing contains, you're now telling me that not so much how I treat people, not so much how I love people, but a perspective that I may have based on something that I've read, listened to, watched, etc., and then I'm supporting this. Even if I don't believe everything in the Bible, somebody could say, you retweet the Bible, and it has that in it? Yeah, you remove him from endorsements. That's essentially what the message of that, that is. But it goes back to what you were saying, too, just when it's in a sense of, like, the majority would disagree with it. So because the majority disagrees with it, this perspective 
then and now it's wrong. Now it's bad. Well, I, I, man, it's it's. I don't even know what majority would, would look like in that in that type of perspective. But for me, for me, it's really just yo. There's some things I believe that are just I know are just off according to what the majority would think. It's like, bro, you are weird for even thinking this. You are weird for even believing this. There's no way you're right. I'm like, man, yeah, I can't shake what I believe. Like, I'm open to learning something else. I'm open to changing my mind, but this is where I'm at mentally right now. This is my perspective. So I would love to dialogue and talk about my perspective, but you're judging me for something I believe? I think that's tough because especially when we as Christians judge people for what they believe, we're not missing the opportunity to even have dialogue to even expand what they're even believing in. And so how can we expect to expand the hearts and minds of others when we are already looking at them in a certain way just off of what they think? Not even off what they do. Not even off how they operate and what they think. Right? And so um, I say that because in correlation to uh, what, what John Moran's going through and what Kyrie went through, I think it's, it's tough when we're seeing people who culturally were one thing before they even signed up, you know, and they were interviewed, they were vetted, they signed contracts, they were told, hey, these are the codes of conduct, et cetera. You probably don't read all that fine print, but it is what it is, right? And obviously, the NBA is a separate entity than Nike. NBA, zero tolerance. Nike, you know, you still got some shoes to sell. <laughs> we'll evaluate your... We'll check it out. We'll evaluate our tolerance by your shoe sales. But the message that's telling me is, is that also on the other end, <clears throat> Nike is cool with the promotion of guns in the black community as long as it's selling because we know who is actually buying his shoes. We'll, che we'll, che we'll check it out. <laughs> you got, and I think you hit the nail on the head. I think they're okay with the perpetuating of that stereotype because they may have a perception of what black culture is. They think, they, they want to profit off of black culture and they think black culture is, insert whatever stereotype you want. Hip hop music, guns, violence, sex, all that, all that in the above, right? So I think they're more comfortable with that and that, that's very telling. Because for me, I would have loved to see Nike stand up and be like, yeah, we're actually going to pull this shoe because we want everybody that represents our brand to be someone who is of upstanding character. And this is not me trying to attack who Ja is as a person, but obviously Ja is having some struggles with who he is and maintaining the platform that he has. And so for me, I don't condemn Ja, but again, we got to hold Ja to his platform. And so I would have loved Nike to stand up and say, yo, yeah, job. We're gonna pull the shoe for now. I would have, I would have respected that so much, and I, and that actually would have made me a little bit. I'm, st they still not getting a pass on Kyrie. That made it a little bit okay with the Kyrie thing because I can at least say, okay, cool. At least you pulling stuff when you don't, when you see something you don't like. But this, I mean, this was very telling. You know what I'm saying? And I think even back to your point about judging people for what they believe and like the barriers that creates. I think it's, it's, it's interesting that we see such a struggle with that in the church. And I think partly is because people feel when you believe something contrary to what I profess to believe, they, 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 they perceive it as an attack. 
They perceive it as, oh, you're attacking me and what I and who I am and, and my values and what I stand on. And it's it, it doesn't allow people to be who they really are authentically, which then doesn't allow them to meet Jesus authentically because they think they have to think a certain way before they meet Jesus. And so I think it's really tough to sit in that to sit in that in, in that seat because why would I want to go to you? Like you said, you there's things you think that you know people would perceive it as weird so you don't say it right right well yeah you will say it Mitchell will say it um (laughs) but I think there are other people who are who are scared to or are are apprehensive to say things and maybe they aren't maybe what they believe isn't uh heresy heretical I don't know heretical thank you not as smart as some of these people. You're always right. No, I'm not. But anyways, uh, it may not be heretical, but because they're, but because like the perception of judgment or the, uh, uh, the perceived judgment that is awaiting is is there, they're like probably missing out on some correction. Like, how many people could be corrected off of like these wrong patterns of thinking if we didn't have this? This this such a defensive mode of you know how we address uh, differentiating thoughts, but yeah, yeah. I was about to say even from a distance because one of the things I realized is like I'm not gonna be close to y'all. You know what I'm saying? And so like, it's okay. Um, damn, nigga. <laughs> when you suck at whispering, uh, but no, I think for jaw, I I'm nowhere close to him. You know what I'm saying? And I think a lot of times we try to condemn people from a distance. We try to be like, oh, this is what needs to happen, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, man, as believers, if we see these things and we're from a distance, like, pray from a distance for these cats. You know what I'm saying? Like, we really need to be, like, um, praying for this brother, whatever he got going on. And this is not even just for his situation. I'm talking about, like, for a lot of these cats that we are nowhere close to. We see these negative things happen and we're seeing these decisions that people are making. It's like, yo, like... These niggas need prayer just like anybody else that's around you. You know what I'm saying? So it's like the most you can do in this particular situation is like go to the father for this brother. You know what I'm saying? But like my hope for Jaws, the fact is like your, your, your decisions do have consequences, whether they're fair or not. You know what I'm saying? Like whether the, the NBA says, oh, you gonna, we're going to take 80 million from you or whatever the case may be, your decisions have consequences. But also it's just like, like the, I don't know if you've seen this one, but like you have gang members now. Crips like yo, like I let's talk because you out here throwing up gang signs. I've seen some of those interviews. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like now you got these crip leaders out here trying to like get at you because you wanna and they not and they not trying to go have coffee. My I I put it up, but that wasn't for y'all. My bad. His name's Caleb. My name's Caleb. Uh, (laughs) It starts with a C. Uh, You know what I'm saying? And I'm just like, bro, like (laughs) (laughs) it is with a B though. (laughs) Hey, yeah. Covered by the blood of Jesus, um, but yeah, you know what I'm saying. C- CB so, covered by you feel like cover me, Jesus. Uh, but now, nah, like, is there are consequences to your actions, man? And I'm just like, now you. It seems you have issues with the NBA, but also with the niggas that's actually about that life. And I'm just like, bro, chill out. That's a scare. I, I chill saw, out. That's I scary. Saw, I saw an interview from a crib gang leader who's in Memphis. And he was basically like, yeah, like, if you know, bro, tell him, tell him, come holler at me. Yeah. And this wasn't awesome. Let's go get Starbucks. Yeah. 
this was like a like a warning, like bro, stop throwing that up. No facts. And like yeah. cats take that seriously. Niggas, niggas, niggas die like over that block dying bro. right like, now, bro. Like, like not a game, bro. Nah, at all, man. And so, so yeah, and I get it. Like like we said, like we. We were 23 at one point, and we were doing some foolish things. You know what I'm saying? Like that. Thankfully, the cameras weren't on us. You know what I'm saying? Facts. During that time. Facts. And so I think even with that, we could show these cats grace. But like, I they they do also have to take heed to like the wisdom that some of these old heads is trying to give. Like Shannon Sharp gave a lot. You know what I'm saying? He, no, yeah, he did. Bro, like, he, he was did. dropping, like, hella wisdom. You know what I'm saying? Shannon. Like, from some, uh, bro, his, uh, he get that uncle wisdom that just be fire, bro, that I, I appreciate. appreciate and so, but yeah, so I'm just like, man, I hope he takes heed to that and doesn't look at them like, oh, they they trying to bash me. They trying to throw me under the bus. Like, nah, bro, they want you to keep this 200 mil that you got. They want, to, they want you to be able to keep the status that you have now and the platform that you have now. You know what I'm saying? So they're going to tell you these particular things. So, yeah, man, it's... uh. It's 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 a tough one, but uh yeah. Yeah, and I I definitely wanna pose this question to you. Appreciate you. I definitely wanna pose this question to both of y'all, actually. Yeah. I wanna pose this question to both of y'all. Um because I actually had an interesting conversation surrounding around accountability a little bit. Um but what does it look like to Hold some. Well, let me ask you first. This: Do you think accountability only happens in close proximity? In close proximity? Yeah. In other words, we have to have a close relationship to, for me to hold you accountable. I'm offering. I'm, I'm gonna say no, uh, mainly because if I'm in a space and I know somebody professes to be a believer, and let's say for instance they are calling homosexuals the F word and all this other stuff like these, blah, sure. blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get at you. You know what I'm saying? Because as somebody who professes to be a believer, we represent Christ in a certain way. So we speak about people in a certain way. And we, um, you know what I'm saying? So it's like when they see us, they should know Jesus based off of like what they see and what they hear from us. Not the hatred and the foolishness that's coming out your mouth right now. So, yes, I, you can hold people accountable without having super close relationship with them at times. I think, I think it's like saying, um, can you love or appreciate somebody from a distance? It's like I can show my appreciation. I can show my love from a distance. But it's the difference between actually being in proximity with you. Like meeting an artist you never actually met before, but you listen to them. Man, I love you. I love you so much, man. Like, oh, man, I appreciate you so much. It's like, I didn't know that. How I know you love me. Mm-hmm. I never met you. Uh, you appreciate me, man. I never even knew. Appreciate mm-hmm. you. Thanks. So that's that's surprise to me. Why? Because I don't know you, right? So, yeah, you can hold somebody accountable, but are they held accountable? You know what I'm saying? Oh, that's oh, that's two different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, I can like, hold you accountable like, for the moment. Yeah, well, I can hold what you accountable you just like, from a distance. It's like yeah, but okay. Um, Wait, you talk about from a distance as in like. So you you in a you, whole other state? We're talking about John Morant and, and and advising him and stuff like that. Like we don't even know him. Like that's the this is from a distance. I thought you meant proximity, as in we ain't really got no relationship, but he's talking about relationship too. We don't know each other. That's what you talking about, right? That's that's how I heard the question. I heard it wrong. So I'm I heard I don't really know you, general, but like, let's say like, can you hold somebody accountable without having an actual intimate relationship? Yeah, that's, that's okay. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I thought that's you were talking about like from 
From a, a relational relational, relational distance. distance yeah. Okay, relational distance. Don't be the internet, bro. Everybody, everybody, two, two miles away from me. Yeah. All about this. You know saying you two clicks away. From yeah, that's, that's, that's easy. We good. But you know, you know, you know how many fans know. hold me accountable on the daily. You feel me? No, no. Here's the thing. No, they hold me accountable. Like, and I'm, I'm with it. Like, some people hit me up. Like, we. What if you saw some DMs we had? Somebody came with us. But uh, a lot of times, like, somebody would be like, "Man, you know, I'm a big fan of you. You know, I've been following you for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, and I appreciate you. But this, this, and this." And I'm like, "Okay." Man, I, I, I would think about that. Mm-hmm. I really do appreciate you. I thank you for your support throughout the yeah, years. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And even you saying that lets me know that you actually care about me. Yeah. You know, and um, I can do a better job of this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think there is an element of that. But I think that it's also something where, yeah, I can talk about basketball, but it's only going to hit better or different when I've actually played basketball mm-hmm. and I know what's going on in the culture, mm-hmm. I actually have been through practice, been through the torment of waking up, playing, being on the road, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, as we're sitting here debating and, and arguing and saying, man, this person sucks. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. bro, I've, I've emptied my life in this. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just because I'm on the bench, it doesn't mean I'm not. They didn't cook it at everybody, bro. Indeed. Me? Right? Indeed. So, I do think yes, there's an element of you know from a from a distance we can hold somebody accountable, but I think the effectiveness of it comes from proximity, proximity. close proximity. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I and I, don't, I wasn't even asking that in relation specifically to John Morant, but he just brought up you were talking about accountability earlier, mm-hmm. and I and I think I think it's both and right. Like I think because like there's even been YouTube comments where like people will comment under our videos and. Say like, oh, y'all should do this, or you should keep this in mind. That is a form of accountability because they're trying to help us improve, right? And like you said, there'll be times where fans hit you up, be like, ah, should you be out doing this or make sure you do X, Y, Z? It's a form of accountability, right? So I think there's levels to it, but you're right. I think, like, the effectiveness of the real lifelong relationship-changing accountability happens when you're walking with somebody. But I do think that too often – we, we lean too heavily on, oh, you don't know me, so how can you say this, right? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times, some, or not a lot of times, but I think sometimes we're actually escaping like some black and white truths. Like right and wrong aren't always dependent on how deep your relationship is with somebody. Yes. Right is right and wrong is wrong. You know what I'm saying? If I walked into a bar and somebody noticed me from the podcast and they saw me getting blackout drunk, and they say, hey, Trey, I think you had too many, too, one too many. You need to stop. You're, you're messing up your example. And I said, man, you don't know me. You don't know what I'm going through. That's true. But do they have to know exactly what I'm going through, what I'm feeling to tell me yeah. you shouldn't be doing this? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I think sometimes we, we lean too heavy on you don't know me. You don't know my life. You can't hold me accountable when, honestly, sometimes you're wrong. And I would love to get to know you. But you're still wrong. You know what I'm saying? But I think again, it's it's a it's a it's such a tricky thing. Um, it's such a tricky thing and such a ebbs and flows that like I I don't think it's wrong to look at either one. But you should never you should never use the lack of a relationship to escape the fact that 
you're being called out. Yeah. With that being said. Don't be fooled, I'm not the special. I know you can do well. I <laughs> don't have you, nigga. Really? Yes. Welcome to the smoke <laughs> session, the one part of the podcast where we address anything from this podcast or even other podcasts. If you got some questions, comments, concerns, or some smoke, but be careful because we do keep a gas mask. So, yes, live studio audience, you have the opportunity, the chance, and the privilege of coming to the high chair. We've got a couple of hoopers in here, too, so I'm pretty sure they're going to have something to say. We got what? I want to hear some hoopers. 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 <laughs> hey, yo, thank you, because I was like, hooters. I was like, where at? Hoopers. Hey, yeah. We, we getting wings? <laughs> hey, yeah. I get the cauliflower wings. <laughs> Come on, vegan. They have really good seasoning there. I believe it. Yeah. It's a good reason Do to they? go to Hooters, right? It's funny. I've never actually ah, been to sir. Hooters. <laughs> really? No, I've never been yeah, to Hooters. I believe it. What's up, G? What's up, man? So, no, um, on the whole jaw thing, right? Uh, so, and I, I had to put this in my note. So, his pops actually did an interview um, with a bunch of other NBA dads. Chris Paul dad was there um, and a few other dads. Um, <laughs> and in this interview, he asked a question, and I'm paraphrasing, but it was something along the lines of, how do you parent your child when they're making X amount of money? And so it was like he was going to them looking for help because he doesn't know what to say or how to parent his own child because he's making millions compared to what his mom and dad is making, so he was pretty much asking, like, how can I still be a parent mm -hmm. to somebody that's making X amount of money? Yeah. And Chris Paul's dad's response was something along the lines of, he said, be a parent. Sure. Be his father. Yeah. Like, you were his father before he got all this money. Like, <laughs> and, But it, it seems like it's something that he's still struggling with and trying to figure out because it's like, yeah, that sounds good, but even if I say this, he got a $200 million contract. Yeah. I don't know how to parent that. So it's like, I think he's more so struggling with, like, the whole money aspect of it. You about to pass it back to you. Uh, can we keep this on this uh, side? Uh, go ahead. Man, I, I think it's interesting. I can almost, if I had the opportunity to bet money, I will bet money that phrases like, have I not kept the roof over your head was something he said in the house. Or as long as you're under my house, this is how things are going to go. You know, or um, along the lines of my authority is based on your positioning. And that is for me something that I don't see biblically. Because I don't mean positioning in the aspect of role, like, hey, I'm father, wife, here's son, daughter, etc. I think positioning is over, hey, this is my house, my rules, my stuff, like this is how it goes, right? And I remember, and this is kind of great because this is, this is I'm talking about it on Father's Day. I was talking to my mentor one time, and he basically told me, like, yo, I, 
The scripture says, children obey your parents. Mm. You're not a child. So you're making your own decisions. This is what he told me. And I was like, so what does it mean to honor my father? You know, because this is a time when, you know, family's going through stuff and I'm struggling to reconcile some things. He's like, you being you right now as you honor him. Because you're taking all the lessons that you learn, good, bad, and silent, and being a great representation of him. You're honoring your family at this very moment by you being a man of God publicly, right? So you can bring honor or shame to your family just by what you do. So I think that as I'm hearing that, all I heard in my mind was all those black tropes of how based on how much money based on how much food based on how much house you don't pay the bills this is he said i'm going go to my room your room <laughs> this is my room you just borrowing it for a little you just bit it. bro <laughs> like, like like imagine that being the narrative and then now i'm able to have something apart from you so mm. the authority Talk. that you used against me Talk. is now being challenged. Talk. So Talk. Talk. The authority that you have held over my head the entire time of hey. as much as I provided, hey. that's as much as um authority. In a bag right now. It's now being challenged for somebody that's 20 years old, like, okay, bet. So I guess I'm my own authority now. So the problem is what what will Basically, what you're saying is he's building our, our black parents tend to build their authority based off what they provide instead of building black culture. Sure. Yeah. Instead of building like a, a, a healthy parent child relationship off the foundations of the Bible, because like you said, if it's worldly, it can be challenged. If it's godly, it stands forever. You know what I'm saying? I think that's a. F I, I love that you pulled that out because that makes sense to me. That makes sense as to why he said as to why he's struggling because I can't provide, so I can't be your father. Like, think about that. I can only be your father for as long as as I can provide for you. That's that's scary, man. That's scary. When he said that, I was like, I was like, I can almost imagine he said all those things. But I literally heard. I was like, man. Because those are the first things. Like, when you hear that, well, yeah, when you hear that, as a child, the first thing is, I can't wait till I can. Yeah, yeah have my but own. But wait till I yeah. move out. The moment you yeah. have something on your own, yeah. you start to feel like you actually can do, make your own decisions. Yeah. And it's like, yo, I have, you've always been able to make your own decisions. The importance is making your own decisions while understanding you can have a covering. And that, a, that covering actually has so much freedom. It actually has so much liberation. It actually has so much safety. But when you're not providing a covering that's safe, the covering over you is just a roof. But, it's, but, it's, but that's not a covering. That's not a it's covering. A shelter. You got shelter, not, not a covering. That's a hut. Tent. Compared to a safe house, Right? So I, 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 I feel for him, man. I feel for him because now he, he's finally seeing, you know, through social cues, social norms, the talks about therapy, talks about mental health for being more constant for a black man to hear him having a kid at that age, et cetera. You know, 
he's he's realizing all the things and now seeing the person that his son's becoming and then realizing that that's a reflection of himself. He's like, Dad, what do I do with this quote-unquote monster I've created? Right? And it's like, well, let that monster ride because this is what it is. But you can still be a covering. You can still be a whatever type of authority you can be. It's just you have to, you have to admit that the mistakes were made in allowing the covering to be connected with the income and with the, with the, with the provision. Because that's just the that's just the op, that's you operating in your role. Mm-hmm. That should never be used as something to be used against of, of why you should exert authority. For sure, right? It's a it's a part of your role. That's not the definition of your role. Exactly. Yeah. No, indeed. The only the only thing I was gonna add on to that is like even with that, I'm hearing in relationships in general, there seems to be this idea is whoever makes the more money, that's who leads the household. And I'm just like, because I've heard that even in marriage stuff. You know what I'm saying? Oh, who wears the pants? Well, she, she makes most of the money. That, I guess that means she's the head of the household now. It's like, no, 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 no. Money has never dictated the roles that the Lord has, like, given in a particular household. You know what I'm saying? So I do love the fact that the dude was, like, just parent. You know what I'm saying? Like, go back to the original space. Like, just lo- continue to love on him. Continue to grow him. You know what I'm saying? The best way you know how. But, and I really, now I'm questioning, too. Is just like, if whatever his pop, wherever his pop's living, if Jaws paying for that, that's that's about to be tough. And that that's the that's about to be too. really tough. Because it's Go it's ahead. been reports. Uh-huh. Nothing solidified, just reports okay. that every everything his sister is doing, Jaw is funding. Mm-hmm. So now if that is true, mm-hmm. he's taking care of his sister mm-hmm. as well. So now it's like now essentially you got two monsters in a sense that's mm-hmm. being raised in. What's going to happen then? Like, and I wonder even in that question, too, is just like, hey, how can I even hold my son accountable now mm-hmm. instead of just how can I parent him? You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, I don't know, even with this, I, I do wonder now the conversation that he's having with him based off these particular situations. You know what I'm saying? Like these two videos that's happened. Well, the other accusations, too. But even though the, the, were those just accusations or? Some of, these, some of them have been confirmed. Oh, confirmed as well. Okay, well. Even with the ones that's confirmed and the one that's on TV, uh, the ones he did on live, I'm just like, I wonder how those conversations are going now. Like, can you really hold him accountable the way you want to currently? And the answer is yes, man. But here's the thing. When you are realizing that your parenting methods growing up or as they were growing up weren't as effective as you thought, Mm -hmm. and now it's like, well, how now do I parent? Well, here's the thing. You got to go backwards, sir. Yeah. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And then by going backwards, you know, this is me, <laughs> 32 years old, childless, mm-hmm. you know, but only experience I have with kids is working with youth for over, uh, oh, wow, gosh. Yeah, brother. Yeah. Welcome. We could go back. Dang. I'm over a decade. Dang. I'm over a decade of working with these youngest, man. Okay. That's facts, bro. But yeah, it's... it's it's one because the reason I'm able to speak on it on any capacity is this: <clears throat> I've made the transition of understanding how my parents have parented me from the household, mm-hmm. and then how they've parented me outside of it. And there's a weird moment where you're getting a job, you're in college, 
you're doing things and they still exert that hold. Mm -hmm. And then me, whoever it is, has that tension of like, yeah, I want to do this. Mm -hmm. You can't do that. Yeah. Why can't I do that? Well, you're. What you going to say? You, under your household? Under your household? That ain't happening. Where they go? And then the other one won't it. I got my own. <laughs> and like, it's a weird moment. I remember um, I told my dad, I was, like, I was like, you respect me more when I finally move out. <laughs> what did he say? I'm waiting for this, this response. He looked at me and said, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. <laughs> and I was like, dang. Dang. That's what she said. That's what, what? she said. <laughs> that was wrong. Hey, bro. Say that, huh? Oh, okay. man. Okay. <laughs> nah, but uh, it's, it's funny. For him, that was such a crazy concept. Yeah. And in years down the line, I just remember having that conversation. And even him today hit me up. He's like, man, um, I'm realizing where I am at my life. I'm realizing what I've done in my life, and I can say the most proud thing I've ever did in my life, I'm reflecting and realizing it's y'all. The men y'all are. I'm so proud of y'all. You know, he's telling me that as we're granting him happy Father's Day, right? He's like, man, y'all make me so proud, and y'all give me purpose, right? So the conversation that he has with me of like, man, you're your own man. You're your own person. And I'm so proud of what you're doing and what you've done. And I can't wait to see what else you do. It wasn't like, like it, was, it was tough because it was a season in my life where I even communicated to my dad that, like, I wanted to limit the advice he was getting. It's like, yo, like, let me, it's my career. This is, this is my life. This is my house. This is my, you know what I'm saying? Like, let me do these things. And I limited that part of his relationship. And I realized because I'm so much like him, I actually find value in being able to give advice, offer ideas, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, things like that. And I limited that part of our relationship. I think it put a stint in that, right? And so with that silence, he was just, he came back and was like, yo, this is where it's at. And I was like, man. And I've been in a place where I'm like, yo, please tell me whatever you got to say because I love your ideas. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm your greatest idea. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Uh, just the concept of like, yo, man, let me sew into him and give you the music. But I think that for, for Ja, going back to that, um, yeah, it, it's tough when you're thinking, how do I parent a child versus how do I parent a son? Mm -hmm. Right? And he's he might be still thinking on the concept of a child. Why won't he just listen? Well, that was already was supposed to be done in the childhood. Mm-hmm. Now it's, why won't he be advised? You know what I'm saying? Why is counsel? Counsel for a leader. You're already supposed to raise up somebody who's already supposed to be leading, right? So, um, yeah, it's not, never too late, man. You know what I'm saying? At the, at the slight chance you ever see this, sir. You know what I'm saying? Be encouraged. It's never too late. The yeah. parent. Um, and finding the adult relationship of a parent-son, not a parent-child, parent-son, is a beautiful thing when you finally get to figuring it out. And I was about to say, because uh, I, I had some conversations with some parents myself, um, and one of the parents was just like, man, like I feel like I didn't do a good job with my son 
you know what I'm saying, during this particular time or whatnot. And I was trying to encourage. I said, look, you you did the best you could what you knew how what what you knew to do. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I feel like in the areas where we where we mess up, we can say, hey, I've messed up here, but moving forward, this is how I can make the adjustments. You know what I'm saying? And not necessarily stick to just the quote-unquote wrong that I did or the mess-up areas that I did in the past because it's like if you hold on to that the whole time, it's going to be very hard, you know what I'm saying, to like really move forward. Um, and she was just like, okay. And like you could just see the sense of freedom that she had in the fact that like I don't have to hold on to like my mistakes or different things like that. It's like, man, I can just take my son where he is now and love him where he is now and just move forward from there. And I'm just like, man, like, yeah, like got to sh definitely show yourself grace in them particular areas. So, yeah. Yeah, last question. <laughs> Why you said it like that? <laughs> and then the last question. So. <laughs> Bombastic. So I, I know y'all was talking about accountability with this, right? So it's like, do y'all, do you really believe there's accountability? And the only reason I ask that is because there was a confirmed report that people from his camp, all of a sudden said it's a fake the gun. The fake gun crap? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, how can you it's, it's kind of hard to see if there's accountability because let's be real. What man is gonna hold flash a fake gun in bro, the camera? Bro. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So yes. it's it's like <sighs> I think it was just a horrible PR stunt. We trying to lighten the situation as much as we can. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, hey, it was just a fake gun. It wasn't. But I'll be honest with you, it don't matter if it was fake or not. You know what I'm saying? It, but you it have just, to get caught twice. Especially getting after. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you would have said it the first time, I. Right, but it's like, bro, you said it <laughs> during the second altercation that he, this brother didn't have with a gun. You know what I'm saying? So it really doesn't matter if it was a, uh, a toy gun or not. But I just think that was just a horrible PR stunt. It's like, y'all couldn't come up with a better lie? It's like, you got four niggas in the car that's like, that's, act, that's acting hard. And you got a, a, a Tonka gun, you know what I'm saying? Like a Nerf gun in your hands. That don't make no sense to me. I, I remember when a, the, the tweet came out, or the video came out, and it was on Twitter. And my homie, I guess he was at work, and all he saw was the video. He said, before I even heard anything, I knew Youngboy was playing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just, just because of, Don't you know, Marco, at the end of the day, like, like that's common and is in, in, in direct association to the narrative, right? Killer. So uh, I, I, I do believe that even though what the camp may be feeling like is holding them accountable, back to what I was saying, if your culture, if your tradition, if the people around you don't even recognize what wrong is, what are they actually going to be able to hold you accountable of? That's true. It's like, yo, what? Hey, they tripping, bro. Just say something real quick. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like if. Yeah. Look. That's probably what's happening. If they um, imagine they're actually telling him advice, they're telling him things that actually are legit and saying, hey, fam, um, name me a law you broke. Name me a violation you've committed. Name me a crime you've done. And the, and the whole circle's like, yeah, bro, you ain't even doing nothing, bro. We, we got the right to carry, fam. Like, and bro, if he and if, if he if funding, these white people could be out here camping and got these AKs and ARs stuff like that, you know what I'm saying? They are hunting hogs, and all I do is do this in my own neighborhood. What's the difference, bro? You got some valid points, but you're not considering the fact that this person is a mogul. This person is a star. 
You know what I'm saying? So it's tough when the advice you're giving can be good advice in the wrong context. And, and if he's and if he's paying for his dad's lifestyle, his sister's lifestyle, who's to say he ain't paying for his posse's lifestyle? Like he paying for yes man. So like they're not gonna mess up their access to the bag because you know what I'm saying? They're gonna ride the train as long as they can. Which goes to show you, man, like you gotta get somebody in your circle. Gotta get the right people around you, fam. I'm not saying he gotta get rid of everybody, but he gotta get somebody in there that and this is just me. If I got people around me that if I come to them with a situation and I everybody's like, nah, 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 nah. They tripping, you good, you good. Mm, I may be good, but if I can't get an alternate alternative perspective from anybody, I gotta I gotta reevaluate who I'm around because I'm not looking to be affirmed all the time in my decisions. Sometimes wisdom allows you to see things from a different perspective, even if you're not wrong. Yeah, Trey, you aren't wrong, but maybe let's look at it from their perspective. That's helping me be considerate. Nah, Trey, you weren't wrong in how you approached it, but maybe next time, this, if you go at it this way, it'll, you'll get a more favorable response. That's guidance. And so, bro, don't sound like he got people in his circle that's even willing to invest in his growth. It sound like they just along for the ride. Because when I heard that, I was like, yeah, fam, like, I'm not denying or counting out the fact that he may have accountability in his circle. But for that to get out, for that to get out of the camp and nobody be like, nah, don't say that. <laughs> like, that just sound weird. That's just crazy. You know what I'm saying? Um, and even to the point about the, the, the fathering, I think that's why foundations are so important. Like, that's, it's so important. How you, it says train up. So you got to start and you got to be consistent. You know what I'm saying? Anybody that's trained, whether you're just a, somebody trying to get in shape or athletes or whatever, man, you know you start with basic movements before you start trying to bench three, 400 pounds. Before you try to back squat 225 pounds, they, you're practicing your squat movements. You know, you're getting your posterior chain movements all correct. So, like, it's, it's, it's a foundational thing, and, you, and it's tough to reverse. It's tough to reverse. Steph Curry talked about the summer he was in college. His dad was like, hit me up, you know, because his dad was an NBA player. He was a great shooter. His dad was like, hit me up when you're ready to uh, fix your shot. Steph's like, what are you talking about? I'm killing the game. I'm going crazy in college, like one of the best shooters in the country. Hit me up when you're ready to shoot like an NBA player. Steph said he, he was in the lab. He was in the gym. At this point, he was one of the best shooters in the country. In the gym, almost every day, putting up thousands of shots daily to correct his shot because his father understood if my son wants to get to the next level, there's something foundationally wrong. And as his father, I'm going to help him correct it. But Steph, who already has some stature, had a foundation of respect, rapport, and influence with his father to say, hmm, even though I am on the right track and I have the accolades to say that I'm doing what I need to do to get to the next level. Let me heed the warning. Let me heed the advice of my father. So even in that, what, what does that tell us? A good foundation between a parent and a child can help push that child later on in life from one level to the next because they have a good and, and, and good standing rapport with their, with their parent. 
Ja may be missing out on that next level because his father may not have parented him the right way when he was younger. Is it my turn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This mic's kind of heavy. How do y'all just hold this the whole time? My arm's kind of hurting. We don't. We usually have more mics. Well, I just, I just meant like right now in general, but. Just in. You'll make it. Yeah. Okay, great. I mean, you either want to talk or you don't. Mm. <laughs> Thank you, Caleb. Thank you, Caleb. Um, I don't think I have a question, but more like two statements that may turn into a question. One, I know we're talking about like the father, but also his mother, I think, is on the other side of that. I mean, one of the incidences, incidences he did have was his mom at a store in the mall calling him because some kid was giving her problems with like buying something. So she like called up John, ja the crew came in. Supposedly the kid was like scared in the back. They were begging on the doors, trying to fight him. Oh, we'll meet you in the parking lot. Over like, what, some shoes, some clothes? Like for the mom to call her son to come up there, she already knew like, oh, my son's gonna take care of it. So I think as a whole, the parenting may seem like it's kind of whatever. But whenever, whenever I was first thinking about this, as a Hooper, obviously I have opinions about the league and I, and I think I, I agree in the sense that he is more than just a basketball player, but he is John Morant. Like, people follow him. My first thought, though, went to his daughter, which, like, we haven't even addressed that yet, of, like, you have a child who I, we know you love. I mean, you show how much you adore her. And even in the midst of all that, you're still out here doing things that are reckless. Yeah, you're 23, but you're also a dad. And so your daughter is going to grow up to see these things. It's going to, and now you're having to think through like, what is her life like? Mm -hmm. Because you, she has your name. So she can't, she's young still. So she's not really like probably in school or anything, but she now can't go anywhere without being like, oh, you're, is your dad John Morant? Like, oh, do you guys have guns at the house? Oh, do you, I mean, her life is now so involved in that. And she didn't ask for it. Yeah. And so I think to me, too, it's like all the things that we're saying, I agree with. But to me, it, it just kind of feels more sad because you have this child that you clearly adore and you love her so much. But now the thought is like, what are you, what does it look like to be an example to her? Mm-hmm. Like, what is she going to see when she grows up? What is she going to have to answer to from her friends and, and that kind of stuff because of the example that you're setting right now for what? clout you already got it bro <laughs> like you're not even a real shooter but you one of the you still one of the like best I'm saying, that, I'm saying that to say like shots fired i'm saying that to say <laughs> i'm saying that to say you don't have like your his like niche in the league is like I'm making like 360 lays and dunking over people and that kind of stuff. Like you have your position in the league. You have a shoe. All that kind of stuff is great. But what's going to be more impactful long term is your daughter. And so I don't know. To me, you know, and it's Father's Day. I'm thinking more about that. Like uh, with the accountability, of course, I'm thinking who's who's helping you see the impact that you have on this little girl? And and what is it that you're chasing out here that's blinding you to that child that's looking up at you and smiling? Like that to me is is I think where my mind is like really kind of camping out for right now for job. Yeah. 
Yeah, I definitely hear that. And for sure, I'm with you. <laughs> Alongside that, I would love to hear I would love to hear reporters and the perspective of people that were from Gen Z. We're talking about an era of kids that are becoming adults, that are adults, who truly, if any generation did that is in a millennia, wear the heart on their sleeves. They don't hide much. Twitter is their journal. And here we have NBA players before an era where there was no cell phones and everything you did could be seen and then within a few seconds be posted. Knowing they've also made mistakes that they never have to answer for. Knowing they've also fallen. Knowing they've also made a fool publicly, but there were no reporters to sit there and clown you about it. Get on you about it. I'm like, the lack of grace I'm seeing from a lot of, and I'm not saying you specifically. I'm saying, like, the lack of grace I hear from people. And I'm just like, yo, this ain't no, he's just a kid or he's just, no, that's none of that. He's a man. He's making mistakes. This is a mistake. I think it's a mistake. I think, you know what I'm saying, he should be reproved from it. I think that, you know what I'm saying, this could be a wake-up call what the NBA's doing. They've made a decision. That's private business. They, cool, they're doing it. Now he has to live with the consequences. But, I think it's just so interesting as I hear people address it. I'm like, yo, let's judge and let's reprove. Let's hold accountable with the context of who the person is and what they're coming from. This is somebody from a generation that lives on TikTok. And so literally... People are watching, people are seeing. Have y'all talked to anybody who is a youth and be like, yo, what do you think about the John Moran situation? I guarantee the thing they're not going to say is, man, he shouldn't have posted it. Why? Because they post everything. Posting is their lives. But anybody who's 40 plus, you're sitting there recording it. What else do they do? Whatever they do, they're going to record it. Like, 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 consider they're truly like he is Gen Z to the core. Mm -hmm. Right. And so and as I look at him, I think within the youth that I trained up, what if they're fresh into college or what if they're four years out of my training? I'm like, man, OK, I see. Man, you acting a fool, bro. You know what I'm saying? And I, it's for me, at least I have the ability to know what's going on because I'm seeing it publicly. Right, but um, in response, I think that because he has a daughter, the stakes are higher. Because he, he has somebody, he is from his household directly looking up to him. But that's also the case for every other NBA player and every other celebrity, even whether they have daughters directly or not. Because they have their role models, right? And I think it's easy to have a microscope on the day-to-day -day lives of celebrities that we're exposed to when they're living their lives day-to-day. -day. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just thinking in back of my mind, if they're what they call just living their life, man, I can't even just live. 
But them just living looks way different from us just living. Them just living is living on the internet. And they're going to post everything. They're going to post whatever they want. And I try to think of that as I'm about to spew anything or about to speak ill of because I'm like, man, this is just somebody who in this generation, this is how y'all communicate. So what do you, what, <laughs> I don't see the good. I see, what are you trying to tell me? What is, what is really going on in the back of your mind? What's really going on in your heart right now? Because another thing that was pushed aside and downplayed and used as an excuse, as a cry out for help was, hey, bye. Y'all see that Instagram post? Yeah, they say people, people, they, they say yeah. officers to his house. Yeah. Wait, what I'm trying to say is like, like people on the internet, as they respond, it's like, man, he's trying to get attention. Man, look at him. So he basically, he put up a post on Instagram. was like, yo, I can't do this no more. He started posting up, started posting up pictures. Like that. I was like, all right, y'all, bye. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'm just like, yo, I think the cry for help was way before that. Yeah. I think him asking and reaching out happened way before that. Mm-hmm. It's just, what are you actually keen to? Yeah. What are you looking towards? Because yeah. it's easy to, once that happens, let's make a reaction video and talk about how he effed up. But was those same people the ones that actually have ability to have some type of 2% differentiator between him? Be like, hey, fam, hey, hit your boy, man. I want to chop, chop it up with him. I wonder how much of that happened. Oh, two things. Well, one, hopefully I remember both of these, but two things. Just going off of what you said, like, like I, I agree with that. I think in a general sense, uh, we do have to be mindful of the people that are just around us. And we have to be intentional about the decisions that we do make. Um, I think a lot of times we do get to a space where we just moving, just being human, and we just do stuff because it's like, this is what's going to make me feel good, or this is what's going to bring me some type of joy in this particular moment. You know what I'm saying? Um, and and we don't, we're not thinking about the, the consequences of those actions. You know what I'm saying? So I think even because we, we've definitely, everybody up in this room that had those moments. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I think there's going to be a lot of grace shown even if you do have a daughter, son, you know what I'm saying? Because, again, like, you're human still. But I think you still have, you, there's, a, there's a heightened sense of intentionality that you got to have. You know what I'm saying? Like, when I get my kids one day, like, prayerfully, prayerfully, I'm not going <laughs> to make some ridiculous, like, choices. You know what I'm saying? What? We're standing with you. Perfect. Keep going. Oh, my God. Yeah, you know, he like to he like to grab shoulders. But yeah, you know what I'm saying? Because I know just how much it can impact them. You know what I'm saying? Um, and again, like you said, like Shorty's like when she gets six, seven years old, she got questions to answers that she she didn't have to answer if he wasn't doing these particular things. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, man, just being able to have the heightened sense of intentionality when you're in these particular um, uh, platforms or whatnot. And then Yeah, 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 yeah. It's gone. Freaking God. But it was something, it was after, it was what you said, though. It was after. Oh, yeah, just understanding you for you in their generation. It's like, yo, like, they're going to make mistakes, and they make mistakes differently than we make mistakes. Now, it's almost. So I'm not, so I'm not. Yeah, well, not so much. It's just, it's. We have the luxury, like, as somebody who's a minister. 
as somebody who works with youth, we have the luxury of not having to guess. Yeah. Like, they're very open. You know what I'm saying? We had a generation of silence. Theirs is, I'm depressed. You don't even know what depression is, but let me show you this emotional wheel, and let's get down to the root of what you actually are. But thank you for letting me and telling me that something's going on with you. And the fact you're even open to communicate that something's going on with you. We come from a generation where you just keep it tucked. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're like, yo, man, I struggle with anxiety. Man, that's kind of crazy. Let's chop it up. <laughs> we, don't have to, we don't have to guess. Like, that's, that's an open harvest, fam. You feel me? And if we look at it like that, rather than looking at it from a point of standpoint, of, man, these kids over here are so sensitive. Man, these kids just nowadays is that you feel me? <laughs> no, it was just the fact that you were just like you, you're paying attention to the, the actions that are happening with this brother. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like people are so. For instance, Chris Brown, um, and I'm about to to make sure I got this song right. I was about to. How did I bring up I, this? Is, what I don't bring up Chris Brown like that. I don't. No, I'm not about to play Chris. If you niggas just listen, <laughs> saw you from across the room. <laughs> nah, but there's a. Uh, oh my gosh, where is it? It's on. I think it's on Heartbreak, and he got a song called Yellow Tape, and so and in this song. What? These saying. niggas never pay attention. We got a song called Yellow Tape. Oh, man. I'm in. Is that a 30 All right. So, nah, but. Oh, yeah, yeah, Nah, he got, he got a lot of songs on this one. Yeah. But, like, if you pay attention to, like, this song, it's like, yo, if he didn't have his kids, he would have been killed himself. But people just saw this song as a dope song to listen to. And it's crazy because it's like, even with the whole Job Moran situation, you're seeing these posts happen and people are like, oh, he just wanted attention. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, he's crying out for something. Like, there's literally two songs that Chris Brown has like, and I kid you not, I was listening to him and I just paused and started praying for the nigga. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm just like, he's crying out. And yet, everybody's just like, oh, this is just, this is such a great song. This is so dope. Some, some dope art, you know what I'm saying? And then either with Ja, it's just like, uh, they're just giving reasonings and meaning behind what these people are doing. So for me, I'm just like, that is something that we need to be paying attention to before we start to judge and act like, oh, y'all just need to. Uh, because it's crazy, too, because it's, it's like you have friends that surround y'all right now doing the exact same thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, they seem to be acting out. Why are you just being like that? Blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, they're crying out for something. And you got to pay attention to that. So instead of like, judging them in this moment of just like you just being this or that it's like okay what are you really trying to say in this moment and let me see if I can help you to be able to communicate whatever that particular thing is you know what I'm saying are, are you satisfied You 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 on one today, huh? This is different. No, I I think you I think I'm I'm glad you brought that perspective into it, Mitch, because I think that's a very important perspective to have. I don't I don't know if if there's a cry for help, um, 
But we, I think we can all agree he does need some help, some guidance, right? And I think you guys are right. We should be cautious of how we talk about John Morant and anybody in, the, in this public spotlight uh, as they publicly go through things that most of us have the luxury, luxury of privately dealing with, right? When I think about Kanye, so many people struggle with mental health and have the luxury of dealing with that privately. Kanye's, whether you want to call them mental health struggles or whatever, they've been public for years. And people, people drag his name through the mud. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's unfortunate. Um, and even with Ja, even um, any, you, can, you can insert any superstar who's had an issue publicly. Um, they continue to get their name drugged through the mud with issues. And it's not insensitive, but it is unfortunately a byproduct of that platform. Right. We celebrate with these people when they win publicly. It, it only makes sense that we would then, you know, throw the rocks at them publicly when they mess up. Um, but I think one perspective that is important is also I'm a huge basketball fan. I watch the NBA um, and I remember last year the Memphis Grizzlies, um, they took the Warriors uh, to six games. And after that series, all the talk was. Memphis got next. John Moran and this team, they are lightning. They are not to be trifled with. Um, they've got a young, great superstar in John Moran. They've got a good core around him. That was the talk. And then as the next year unfolded, I think all these different reports start to come out, right? Even uh, his famous quote of, you know, I'm good in the West. I don't got to worry about nobody. I think these things started to unfold, and I think – we had, and I say we like the basketball community, had a certain expectation based off of how we ended last season. And then to see how this year went, it's, it's not judgment, I think, from some people's perspective. I think it's genuine disappointment. We are disappointed because this is what you could have been. You could have taken this year and elevated you and your team to the next level like we know you can. But instead, what has it been riddled with? Reports of trouble outside of the, off, off of the court. Did that impact the playoffs? He, 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 he did take some time off from the team. Uh, from the team. Uh, right before the playoffs. Did that impact Not the position because that, by that time, they were solidified as, as the number two seed in the West. But – I mean, it, it wouldn't be a far stretch to say the per, like that drama affected the team in some way. But I, I, think, the, I think there's real-life disappointment. Because even as I listen to people like Stephen A. Smith, uh, Kendrick Perkins, J.J. Reddick, all these different commentators uh, talk about their perspective on the situation, they're not condemning Ja. They want to see Ja win. But they're also like, bro, you got to do better. No, from, from what I'm listening to, from what I'm listening to every day, Stephen A, Stephen A is genuinely, Shannon, they're disappointed. I listen to both of them. I listen to both of them every morning. I, I'm, I kid you not, every morning on the way to work. It's genuine disappointment. And it's not out of, ah, uh, you know, uh, you black man, you need to do better. It's, no, we want you to win. And you're literally self-sabotaging yourself. And there are people that, and, and even Shannon Sharper said, I, I want to sit down and talk to Ja. Not on camera, not in front of the press, man to man, because I want to help bro out. You know what I'm saying? And so I think it's really just 
I think some of it is disappointment. I don't, I don't deny there are people out there that are dragging his name through the mud. It happens. But I think there's disappointment, and that disappointment comes because, again, he has worked so hard, he has elevated himself, and he has a platform, and he is, he is a role model. He's got, take it how you want, but he's got little white kids doing the gritty. That, it's just him doing the gritty, and his little white kids, they got, they got uh, gritty competitions at uh, pep rallies now. They got teachers doing the gritty. I was one of them. That's in large... <laughs> That's in large part because of John Morant, bro. Like, he has a real hand to the culture. And so people see this influence, and they're saying, we want you to use it better. We want you to take advantage of this. Do not be influenced, but be the influencer and influence the right things. So I think it's disappointment, too, there. You know what I'm saying? And, I, and I, again, I, I don't want to overshadow. He may, in fact, be crying out for help. And I do want to point out, the NBA, when they gave him the eight-game or ten-game suspension in March, they sent him to a facility. And they said, yo, go, get, go talk to somebody. Go, go get help. And I don't, think they find, I don't think they took away his game checks for that. I, I, I don't think they did. So the NBA is even trying to help. Adam Silver himself is trying to help him. But I think at a point, you got to say, all right, man, we want to help you, but you may need some consequence. You may need some consequences to get you to help. It's like that. You, you don't want to clean up your room? Bet. I'm taking the TV out your room. Yeah. You don't want to act right in school? Give me your phone. Man, have you ever seen uh, Shia LaBeouf's full interview? Which, which one? Uh, Shia LaBeouf? The one he had with, with uh, the Punisher. I don't know his name. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. played the Punisher. He did play Punisher. No, I haven't. Yeah, it's, I, I would say it's fine. Yeah, if you Shia ever have... Shia LaBeouf, grown Shia LaBeouf is one of my favorite people. This is that is probably one of the most important podcast episodes I've ever seen. Who do you do with? Um, yeah, but the importance of it was this was a man who finally hit true rock bottom, and yeah, yeah, and in the midst of hitting rock bottom, the amount of grace love and hope he has as he speaks of himself and of others bro and one of the dopest parts about that interview was him talking about man I remember when I produced Honey Boy and I was in therapy etc you know and bro he'll tell you he's like man he's, he's like he's, he's proud of what people have come from he's like essentially he's ashamed of that movie because he lied on his father he's like my dad wasn't that bad I exaggerated it, you know what I'm saying? Like, but for me to even hear him say that and hear him say how he manipulated even getting the, 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 the contract to even have it produced and how he was manipulating the people around him in the midst of like, yo, I would go to therapy, but I ain't really consistently. And him, like, he's literally saying things that would get him canceled. He's just giving people, he's like, yeah, I've already felt. And, and the person who I wronged the most, the person who aired me out, the person who expose me for being a physical abuser, a mental abuser, emotional abuser, is the same person who still loves me to this day. You know what I'm saying? So like, like what does anybody have over me, right? So he's open, and as I hear, oh yeah, they sent Jaw to therapy. If he don't want it. <laughs> you can put somebody through the sessions. It's almost like, it's, it's almost like me hearing after something happens within the police and it's like, hey, we're going to give him racial training, racial training 
three days leave, you know what I'm saying? Paid leave. We always, we always, put, we always collect that paid in there. Oh, you know, two, two weeks paid leave. Y'all, that's y'all know. Yeah, ain't, ain't no vacation. It's a vacation, basically, to pay leave. But it, it's, it's almost like, it's like, yo, if you don't want the change, all this is is you in a classroom for an extracurricular activity, right? Because if you don't even see the purpose or the benefits of something that is therapy or something that is truly for your spirit, then you're going to be wrestling because you can learn. And not, it's like, yo, I learned this, but you ain't learned this. It's learning and understanding. It's understanding. And so I can't wait to see the man he becomes when he gets understanding. Um, there was two things that I wanted to address. I did want to piggyback off of what you were saying in terms of like adding context to why people are so disappointed. It's also like what he's in trouble for is not also to your point about like Gen Z and their tendency to just post stuff. It's not really just that he posted stuff. So the initial incident was that he and his people got into it with like the Pacers after a game that they beat him at. Yes, yeah, and one there of them, was yeah. and and it was a it, the the Pacers said that they pointed a gun, like they saw the laser from the gun. They couldn't substantiate that they had the gun, but they could only like corroborate that the fight actually happened, which his father was there. And so they banned his people from the arena. Then he gets in the fight with the kid in the pickup game or whatever. And so, and the mom like um, tried to file charges or some sort of legal recourse. So then that also like hurts the league. Like this is two separate incidents where he's talking to the commissioner about his behavior and where his behavior is actually like harm, you know, like potentially harming people. Cause you know, and like imagine shooting somebody at work, which is the equivalent, you know, of what that would be. And then so then at the mall, when uh, what she was talking about, like when his mom called him, the mall security was handling it, but they got into it. Him and his people got into it with the mall security and the police even got involved. Again, it was alleged that they had guns, but the NBA couldn't substantiate it. So by the time he posted it, they had had this issue with him and this sort of like violent undercurrent. Exactly. So it's not. I, I do agree with you. If he was just posting, I think it might be a slightly different conversation. But then he had the eight-game suspension. Then he gave the commissioner his word. And then literally a couple months later, it's not even like it's, a, you know, a, like falling later. And it's, you know, there's a case to be made that 25 games is not that much. Um, when you look at, like, Gilbert Arenas and Javaris <laughs> Chris, you know what I mean? Like, and I know what they did was Gilbert arguably worse and arguably <laughs> sus substantiated, but that derailed Gilbert Arenas' career. And Javaris, He's on podcast now. Ex exactly. Javaris <laughs> Christendon did not play again at all. No, I mean, and, and, yeah, I, was, I mean, and that's, I mean, there's more factors in that. But, and so, but I only said to say, because you also said, like, some of the older players, and that was under David Stern, so, like, they, that was a different era, um, which I think also contributes to, like, the leniency with which he's being handled because he also has conditions for this 25 game suspension so and we don't know what the conditions are it could very well be some other sort of um some other sort of therapy um or some sort of mentorship or whatever but there is a point where um like 23 is young but there is a point where like how do people like when it like like, at what point do you stop shielding someone from the full consequences of their actions so that they actually, like, you know, feel the pain? Because at this point, his decisions, um, whether there's mental health issues or not, you have a responsibility to figure out what's the path forward, even if you are experiencing some sort of mental trouble, especially with the amount of resources that he has access to. Um, 
because at this point it's almost like an arrogance. Like within the span of you know a few months, and you're talking to these people, and you're giving your word as a man. Uh, he's young, but he's still a man. You know, or, and I mean man as an adult, not just like gendered. You know, but um, you know, so there is. Um, I think that's why it's even more disappointing, like to your other point about Nike, that they didn't sever the relationship too, because that's there's there's extra color to that. Like you're threatening teammates, and you know what I mean, like in going around throwing your weight around because you have money, um, and that's allowing you to you know like threaten harm to people. Like that's a bigger thing, like the, just the value for life. Um, so I wanted to talk about that, but then I did also want to circle back to um, the conversation you guys were having about parenting and about like because um, I think. Uh, my own parents actually did a really good job, like particularly my father, of like the transition to consultant, which is what my father calls it. Um, and <laughs> because, you know, whether your kids have more money than you or not, they're going to be independent. Like you were saying, like at some point, you, you don't have that over them. And um, I also taught for a long time. I taught for nine years. And in high school, parents start to experience like the bucking of the authority and the fact that, you know, um, provision isn't enough to kind of like solidify their place in their children's lives. But part of the, part of the kind of like, jostling for your own place in the world and the refusal to listen to your parents is almost natural. Like you need some kind of inertia to go out and carve your place in the world. Yeah. And so I would just encourage parents to understand that and be sensitive to it. That, I mean, the best way you're going to be able to counsel your child is like to posture your own life to bear fruit. Like if they don't see that, you know, like what good would your word be if it didn't work for you? Um, and so like, you know, now I'm in my thirties and I listen to my father. He doesn't pay any of my bills, but I listen to him because I value his counsel. And so I think if parents are interested in that, then they have to understand that that's a transition that's natural and kind of like start to, I think even like provide opportunities like in high school, early twenties for them to make decisions on their own, even when you are still the provider so that they can start to exercise their own independence. Um, yeah, the transition. Yeah, I, I, I think that transition is very, very crucial. Um, I think over the years, and, it, and it, I think it, it's by child. <laughs> um, I think because I had a little bit more of a rocky road in my early 20s, me and my father hit that transition a little later. Um, but I, I've, I've enjoyed, I've thoroughly enjoyed that path because, again, like I was talking about earlier, it's been done with – um, honesty for sure on his part 100% of the time. And, and, and in recent years, honesty and transparency on my part. And I think what I've really enjoyed in the place we're in now is we can navigate tough conversations. I mean, genuinely tough and awkward conversations very, very uh, uh, smoothly because it's not a vying, I, I, I'm not vying for control in this relationship. I'm not vying for power. I'm not trying to submit myself as alpha male top dog. I'm coming to you and saying, bro, this is, what I, this is where I'm at. Talk to me. And he's like, I'm coming to you. This is where I'm at. Talk to me, Trey. And I think there's a mutual respect that comes into play. And there's a recognition that we are both in seasons of our lives where an authoritarian um, kind of perspective is not what is needed here. A consultant, um, and I know it's weird to look at your parent as a friend, but more of a friend role, because a big bro role, whatever you want to call it, because at the end of the day, he's now watching me transition into 
um, he's watching me transition into a time where I'm considering family, where I'm considering marriage heavily, where I'm considering kids. And, you know, we've even been talking about, am I going to move to different states? You know what I'm saying? And so I think, but that foundation, let's just talk, man, relax. Uh, it, uh, but I think that foundation, right, of, of parenting that happened when I was four, five, six, 13, 14, 15, 16, that's important because I have a certain level of trust with this man that says, this is a safe space for me to be who I am. And this is a safe space for me to be a man. But as a man, I recognize he has value to add. And the value of our relationship is not predicated on whether or not I listen to what he, do, what he tells me to do. The value of our relationship now is predicated on, Trey, I just want to have some open and honest conversation. My dad hit me up, hey, Trey, let's go get dinner. Let's just chop it up. And that's what it is. And to, and to your first point, um, yeah, I didn't know the back end of all that stuff. But even with that, my, what I was saying was more so the mindset and how the mindset could be fueled by those around him. And so it's like, yo, are the people around him thinking this and saying this to fuel his actions? Like, yo, what, what did we actually do wrong? It's like, you know what I'm saying? And that could be what's giving the boost, you know, and considering the fact that if he is supporting them all financially, you know what I'm saying, he's going to create yes men. You know, it's, it's a, and it's a lot easier to su financially support all those around. Iverson was in an era where he was supporting his whole entire family. And, you know, but, but that's also when they were getting million dollar contracts. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so like, this is, this is, this is, this is way more than that. Right. And, and he did go broke. Yeah. 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 Well, it, it's, it's just the concept of like. I, I, would, I would say now it's easier to financially support a lot of those around you because the contract is just so massive. You know, of course, it doesn't, it doesn't last. But, um, yes, they, he, to act like there's not enablers around him would be a lot, you know. And um, I, I think it's just as I'm looking at it from a, a, a position of not so much if I was in this person's shoes, if I was in the person's shoes, I'm just like, man, if I was in the shoes of somebody of his generation, how are they looking at it and how can we approach that while understanding that they're just different than us, right? And so that's just my main, that's my main thing. I'm just kind of wrestling through as I don't just see Ja, I see one of my kids, one of my youth that's grown up, you know? And I'm just like, man, like how, how would I counsel him? How would I be for them for him? You know, um, would I bring the hammer down? Would I, you know, extend the arms? Would I do a little bit of both? You know, so that's just, that's just me just wrestling. No, the only thing I was going to say, just going kind of what um, uh, Trey was saying, too, was just like, I know for me growing up, um, there were, my mom had hard nose with certain things. You know what I'm saying? But as I got older, certain restraints started to come off, you know? Um, and, and I, I remember the, even the tattoo conversation. Like, it went from, you're not getting tattoos. It wasn't necessarily sin, you know what I'm saying? Now, my pops, on the other hand, shout out to Rabbit, you know what I'm saying? My pops was like that, but my mom was like, nah, you're not getting no tattoos, you know what I'm saying? But as I got older, I remember when I turned 18, she was just like, Caleb, if you want to get a tattoo, just think about it first. 
That's it went from this hard no when I was like a lot younger to this and then now having conversations of like the tattoos that I got now which are you going to get something next you know and I and I love that because like she did create that safe space for me to be able to um uh yeah just just be able to have conversations with her you know what I'm saying and then at the same time too it's just like I know for a fact I can go to her with certain things um, that she feels safe to give me a hard no on, like, no, Caleb, I'm not for that whatsoever. Or just like, nah, like, I, I'm for this. Make that happen, you know? And so, yeah, but I, I think that gradual, uh, uh, that gradual time of taking off the quote-unquote shackles is, is really good, you know what I'm saying? Like, as we, as, pe- as parents parent, you know? That's all I was going to say, but I, I thought that was really good. The other thing I want to say, I actually spent, like, my dad was a professional basketball player, and so he has, you know, friends that were professional basketball players. He has friends that have managed NBA teams. Um, And so we were talking about this a lot this week. And I think that um, while in recent years the NBA has done a better job of at least speaking to or trying to speak to the tension between treating, like, young players as adults and understanding that there's still a lot of growing to do and that in any other context they would be viewed as almost children um but uh I would just ask like what do you guys think that the tension is between you know telling someone that they're old enough to manage 100 million dollars or 200 million dollars um but also being lenient with them like in a discipline sense like what do you guys think what should be the league's responsibility in um I, I wouldn't say in mentorship or formal mentorship or formal guidance for, because, you know, some of these players could be as young as, you know, 19 um, coming in. And if you are 19 coming in the league, then they're giving you 100 million. You know, like that that's the type of contract you're getting. And so what is the responsibility for them as a private organization, both in terms of protecting their own interests and also, like, protecting the players' interests? I was about to say, I don't know exactly what they're currently doing now, but I feel like, being able to provide financial advisors for them would be very helpful. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if it's like, oh, y'all have to do this, but I just think that'd be... Uh, yeah, like, I, I think the resource being available for them should be a necessity, you know what I'm saying, for them to be able to have and be able to offer to these young cats that come in, because, like, as y'all stated before, there's so many NBA players, so many athletes in general who have gotten to the league and was just like, yo, I'm about to... I'm about to ball out because that's all they, they, they've been thinking about this their whole life. You know what I'm saying? So once they get that money, mama got a house. I got a house. I got seven cars. I'm going on vacation. I'm paying for everybody. And it's like, dang, I got $15 in my account now. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like they, they're not really like when you're 19, you're not really thinking too much about like the long, the long game of that. So I think being able to have that resource for them is going to be good for them. Now, for us to be like, well, y'all have to. I don't know. But. Yeah, I, I I think from what I'm hearing on what they're doing, they're doing a great job trying things out. You know, they're really they're attempting to assist in keeping the business going while also protecting their assets. Could you say that in a less educated way? I really tried to process. She, I was like, she's, yeah, uh, the punitive she, she's basically, calculations of the...
Definitely. I, I, I think I think regardless of whether or not they provide the resource, if you communicate something as an expectation, as a grown adult, you know, as an employee now, as somebody who is under contract, it contract is your word. responsibility to make yourself abreast of all the stipulations and language in that contract. So I think even if they, let's say they didn't give them a financial advisor or if they just said, hey, put everything in the contract. You have the resources that most people don't. You have enough money to go and hire a lawyer and hire a legal team to help walk you through that contract. Um, but from my understanding, I believe they do give certain resources to incoming players. To my understanding, I think they they, they offer financial advisors or and stuff like that. So I, I, I think personally, in my opinion, um, the NBA is a pretty well well run. Uh, professional organ, uh, professional sports organization, especially if I'm thinking in comparison to the NFL, which is my, you know, I have my own thoughts about the NFL, but I, I, I personally think, sure, I think you you could you can make an argument to say, well, they shouldn't be as strict if they don't uh, um, provide X, Y, and Z for the players. But at the end of the day, bro, you sign a contract, you have the resource to go get edu- to bring somebody who is educated enough to explain that contract to you. So if you then therefore choose to not inspect it or in, in, investigate for yourself or gain understanding, then you're holding yourself um, li- you're, you're, you're liable at this point. So Nah, they, they don't have to do those things. But I think the NBA is so well-run that they do those things. And it's proof in how Adam Silver uh, is personally inter- interjecting himself into the Ja Morant situation, having to sit down, talking to Ja, you know, one-on-one. And granted, he's a star. He probably wants to keep Ja happy. But at the end of the day, like, he don't have to do that. He could have just said, send him to the facility, and if you don't act right, boom, we out. But even after that, he, he had the conversation with him. So I – but they the, were starting with a nah. Bro. The harsher concept, though, I, I, like I, I think there is validity in that, you know. Um, when you are exposed to more and you have access to more, and not just it's available as like, hey, you have the money to go and make this happen. Like, no, like it's really right in front of you. You're just not exercising resources. Yes, I do think that the 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 way they are approved could be harsher only because, you know, kind of like in the same way Romans 1 talks about the invisible attributes of God being seen. It's like, yo, you're without excuse. Yeah. Like, like, there's no reason you shouldn't. You Thank know, you it's God. because every, like, there is a exhaustive amount of evidence behind this. And so com- that with, com- like, the resources combined with the contracts, yeah. But I think you can be with flaw and also without excuse. You know, like everyone makes mistakes. I don't think that that was a mistake. I think that that was a mishap. I think he effed up. You know, that wasn't an oops. He meant to do that. You know, there's a difference between making a mistake and being wrong. He's in the wrong. You know, and I think that him being in the wrong and him not even recognizing it is wrong is the issue. So I, th- I think that's something he'll end up learning as time goes on. Um, and whether or not the NBA will be get to benefit from the fruits of labor of that learning, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see in time will tell. I hope it happens within that time frame. Yeah. For sure. We got one more. Then we're going to wrap it up. Young Noah. 
Oh, I think for me, um, what? Listening to this conversation has been interesting because as somebody who is kind of young, like 22, it's like I'm part of Gen Z. I don't really use social media like that. A large part of that reason is because of like, I don't think humans were ever designed to, here's my life, thousands of people giving all their input Definitely. and them believing that their input is the most valuable input that I should <laughs> listen Indeed. to. And it's so weird. And so it's just like, I think um, when it comes to accountability, like I don't, I don't know where to begin with having people understand that even if you think that someone else is doing something wrong and you are commenting on someone's post or DMing or whatever it is, that person that you're trying to reach doesn't have an obligation to you to be like, oh, yeah, like I'm going to take everything you just said and apply it to my life immediately. You know, and I don't know why, like, there's that disconnect of like, hey, I think you should do this and you're not doing it. So therefore, that must mean you're an X type person. Or, like, maybe you're just, like, dumb or ignorant or yeah. maybe you're not really who you say that you are. Or, like, I don't know where people get, like, the idea that just because what I think is correct that you're not doing it, then you must be the one that's in error. And maybe it's not the way that I said it or maybe this, I'm misunderstanding something or whatever. So, I don't, I don't really, I don't know if there was a really a question in there, but I just, like, just, like, thoughts, like, where do we go to try to help people like understand what holding someone accountable actually means and how to like properly have conversations around trying to help people grow than just like, nah, don't do that. And listen to me because I'm a professed Christian as well. So I just clout automatically. Like you should listen to me. I think if you're coming particularly from a Christian perspective, it's important that you understand what is essential to value and what is optional to value. And for me, what's essential to value is what does the Bible say? And what am I actually trying to like live my life for? And if you're not asking those questions about yourself, then you're going to whatever validation that makes you feel good in the moment that's what you're going to latch on to and give your identity towards. Uh, and I see that very often with just, it's, it's like funny to me, like literally, like I don't, even with me, like I have Instagram, but I don't really use it like that because I'm like, what am I posting for? Like, what am I actually trying to receive from posting something? And it's not that it's wrong to want to post your life or whatever and have people comment and like your photo, but I think you can create easy pitfalls for yourself when it's like, dang, I posted that. I know I have X amount of followers, but only X amount of people liked it. So like, I think you're framing your, like your, 
uh, your value on something that is shifting and something that is fading. Um, so you need something that's deeper to receive your validation from. And for me, just how I grew up with my parents and, you know, you're talking about fathers. One of the things that my dad taught me a lot was the importance of what kind of person you're going to be and your integrity of who you are. And if you don't have those people that are instilling those values in you from a young age and not only just telling you like, Hey, you should do this, but explaining why. Um, cause as a kid, I ask a lot of questions about everything cause I'm just very curious about everything. And my parents took the time with me to be like, okay, well we believe this and this is why we believe that because if you believe this, then this is where that leads. And if that's where you want to go, then sure, we're still going to love you and of course, we want you to go this other direction, but especially at this stage of my life, they're not, they don't have, they live in Florida right now. I'm over here in Dallas. They have no reach of like, nah, don't stay up late or don't eat that or whatever it is that they used to be able to do to me as a kid. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's just, I think finding your validation is something that's more solid, like the word um, and having good community as well. Having people who have that same source of validation that can also check you and be like, hey, I think, you know, you, you posted that or you said this or you reacted this way because maybe this is what's going on. And because I know you and have that, like, relationship equity with you, I can see that in you and, like, encourage you to maybe see something in a different perspective and go a different way than, you know, just being, just catering towards your feelings in the moment and not, wanting the uncomfortable tension of possibly disappointing you or making you upset because I didn't say what you what I wanted you to say but I think it's more important that I hear what I need to hear you know so I think that's kind of how I try to live my life but um yeah that's real and before we wrap up I think one thing to point out because we all we all love the Lord and so I think it's important to differentiate these things I think there's a difference between holding somebody accountable and then reminding them of the standard they should be living. Um, I think accountability is 100% something that is done relationally and over a period of time. I know what the standard is. You know what the standard is. You're outside of the standard. You need to be, you need to be back in line with the standard. And sometimes that doesn't always take a relationship. Um, I think accountability is overlooked. I think it is overplayed, and I think it's undercommunicated in the church. Um, and I think it's often conflated with a lot of different things, but I think there's a difference. And we have to be open to both accountability and people reminding us of the standard. If, like you said, you, I know you profess to love the Lord, and you're not doing what you should be doing. But it's another episode Black Men Do Talk. We love accountability. We love standards, and we love our fathers. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. That is Street Hymns. He does poetry and rap. This is Caleb Berry. He's a dancer and a really good one. My name is Trey McCall. I just fill in the gaps. Like, comment, share, subscribe, all of that. And we will catch you on the next episode of Black Men Do Talk on the Flippity Flip. Shout out to Michael Scott. Shout out to y'all. Love y'all. Peace out.